0: You are listening to part two of Mailbag Monday. I had so many questions, I could not answer them all in one episode, so I decided to make part two. I know this is a little bit late for Monday, February 27th episode of Mailbag Monday, but I have some good questions about the Oklahoma City Thunder, the 2024 NBA draft class, Marcus Sasser's improved shooting. How has it helped his draft stock? And who is the best prospect on Illinois? Stay tuned. big big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Again, I know this is part 2 of a two-part episode and they're both recorded and published on Monday. So you might be listening to this on Tuesday if you're a first-time listener, you're probably wondering like, "Why is this guy having a Mailbag Monday episode when I'm listening to it on a Tuesday?" I explained it in the first episode. This is my back to this is the second straight weekend that I've traveled this past weekend i was in houston the weekend before i was in salt lake city for all-star weekend had some issues with the wi-fi the recording travel i mean travel has i mean the the traveling has been kind of messed up i I went to a actually i was actually a guest panelist on at a grassroots um, hoop summit and kendrick perkins was supposed to be one of the keynote speakers He was stuck in L.A. because they had like snow in L.A. I mean, I used to live in L.A. I had never heard about having snow. I mean, maybe in certain parts of the city, but he couldn't make it. You know, anytime you're in winter at the top of the year, there's always going to be some type of travel issues. Mine wasn't really weather related as far as traveling from Dallas to Houston. But I had some some issues there. Wasn't able to to record in the hotel because the Wi-Fi was bad. The lighting was bad, but. You know, I guess it's one of those things where I need to bring my lights to when when I travel. All right, but this episode is Mailbag Monday, part two. I am Rafael Barlow. I am the host of the Lockdown NBA Big Board podcast, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. I know as we get closer to draft time, closer to March Madness, there is a, a new set of listeners, a new set of people that are interested in the draft, so... If you've been listening all fall and summer, you may hear some repeat takes, but hey, this is my favorite part of the year. We are getting close to March Madness, and then right after March Madness, it is pre-draft workouts, then there's the combine, and then there's the NBA draft. So I am more than prepared for it this year. And let's, let's just get right into these questions. So I had so many questions that, again, I couldn't do it all in one episode it would have been about hour episode so I decided to break it up into two so I guess you can call this a bonus episode of Mailbag Monday all right the first question is who is the best prospect on Illinois is it Coleman Hawkins or Terrence Shannon I'd say right now it would be Terrence Shannon is the best prospect but Coleman Hawkins is very very intriguing The shot looks beautiful. It just does not go in. Last I looked, he was below 30% from three. If he could make shots, without a doubt, in my personal opinion, he'd be a first-round pick. He can pass. He can defend. I mean, there's so many things that he does well, and it's all based off of his shooting. I think the shooting is supposed to be the skill set that he hangs his hat on. I don't know why the shot doesn't go in. It looks beautiful. Coming into the season, I thought he was going to have a breakout season as a floor spacer and passer, but the shot just isn't going in. Despite that, he's still on different uh, big boards and mock mock drafts as a second-round pick, and Terrence Shannon, this is his, like, for me, it's his third straight year on my mock draft, and I feel like he's been a different player like three different players over the course of his career. His freshman year at Texas Tech, he was more so of like a blue-collar energy guy. He rebounded, didn't shoot the ball well, did a lot of his damage around the basket. I felt like he played like an undersized four. Then as he progressed as a shooter, the rebounding numbers went down, and he settled for a lot of shots. And it was like he had to prove that he was a a floor spacer to help his draft stock, but it seems like it took away from different parts of his game. Now, Texas Tech doesn't run the most creative offense, even though they've you know done a good job in the last few years of getting guys into the league now as far as guys sticking in the league. That's, that's a totally, totally different subject here. Transferring to Illinois, I felt like he was able to show a little bit more than what he was able to show at texas tech so i think transferring has helped this draft stock but the more games you play in college basketball a lot of cases is it can work against you because a lot of times the guys are getting drafted high or freshmen who only have 30 something games i mean some guys we've seen guys get drafted in in the first round with four games five games and so on so i mean there's i'm guessing at least 90 to 100 games of footage on Terrence Shannon. And like I said, in my opinion, he's been three different players throughout his college career. But if I had to say which one would get drafted higher, I'd say Terrence Shannon Jr. because his production is a little bit better. But if Coleman Hawkins can get hot in the tournament and in the last few weeks of the season, he is someone that I think his draft stock could skyrocket because everything is good. It's, it's just he's like a shooter that that can't shoot. All right. the next question is, OKC is projected to have another top 10 pick. Who do you think they take? Well, I mean, it's still early. It's still really early to determine, you know, where they're going to be drafting. I mean, I guess we really have to wait until the ping pong balls decide who is going to you know go number pick number 1 but my ideal perfect scenario now I don't know if they're even in the range to draft him I mean they could end up higher than where he's projected to go or he could end up being off the board by the time they they pick just depends on the next few weeks and like I said the the way the lottery shakes out but I like the Jairus Walker, Chet Holmgren front line. I think that would be pretty cool to see in OKC. I think it's a perfect fit. Walker would provide the toughness. He'd provide another defender. I think he'd be able to defend you know, the bigger, stronger guys while Chet could float around. I think you could do a lot of switching there. I think it would be a good fit. You add another passer. I mean, they already have good passers in, in Um, Chet is a good passer. Walker. I mean, that would, that would be like the perfect fit for me. But the Thunder, I mean, they're in the West. I mean, it, it's still a small shot, but the West is so jumbled up. You know, five-game winning streak here and a few teams lose a few games. You see LeBron is going to be uh, – he's going to miss some times. I mean, the Thunder could actually still get into playing. But I, I think – if they had a top 10 pick and he is available, Jairus Walker is the perfect fit for the Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, next question. Marcus Sasser is back up to 38% from three. Can he get back in the first round discussion? It's it's possible. I mean, he got off to a, I mean, a rough start from three. I think at one point in the season, I saw maybe early January-ish, he was around 32%. And this is a guy that shot over 40%. I want to say like 43% last year before he got hurt. And I did have some scouts mention like which is the real indicator of his shooting because he had like this lights out shooting season last year, but it was cut short to about 12 games. The year before, it was good, but not great. And then he was low 30s, high 20s for a good chunk of the season. But as the season has went on, I mean, he's just been consistently chipping away, chipping away and improving his percentage and I said 38%. I like Sasser a lot. I think that he is someone that is going to thrive in the NBA as a high-end rotation player. Not your traditional point, a little small to play to two. But I think like if you put him in the right situation, I think he can you know, be a complimentary spark plug off the bench and a guy that just comes in and provides instant offense. So I like him a lot. It's not too late to say he can get into the first round, back into the first round discussion. I know I had him as a first-rounder to start the season. If he finishes a strong a strong tournament run, I think he can get back up there. All right, when we return, we will talk about a few more questions that are in my inbox. My goal is to get 10 questions answered today because I have about 19 or 20 that I that I handpicked from my, my list of questions. But before we get into that, I have to talk about Nissan's most electric player of the week. And it is brought to you by the all new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And my Nissan electric player of the week, but it is without a doubt, Jalen Hood, Shafino, he had a 35-point game against Purdue. Not only was it a in-state rival, conference rival, Purdue was one of the best teams in the country. I mean, he had his best game of the, well, I would say it's his best game. I know he had a 33-point game earlier in the year, but 35 points, seven rebounds. He was 14 of 24 from the floor. And to me, he is the most electric player of the week. And speaking of electric, you got to mention the Nissan Aria because it packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. It is electric. It is brilliantly fierce. It's fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful. And it is the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. It is the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. So shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. This is Rafael Barlow's Mailbag Monday coming out late on Monday. All right, the next question is, who do you think is going to improve their draft stock the most in workouts? It's a wide range of guys that I think will be able to leave a good impression on scouts and NBA front offices in their workouts. Coleman Hawkins is, is a great example. If he shoots the cover off the ball in workouts, I mean, teams can't help but be intrigued by his size and his skill set. And the big knock on him now is like, again, can he make shots? The shot looks beautiful. Why isn't it going in? If he shoots the cover off in, in one-on-none workouts, I think his stock will go up. Then there's a few guys that have a lot of questions to answer about their shooting. You know, A name that comes to mind off the top of my head is Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh is a freshman in Arkansas, not known for his shooting, very good athlete, long, I think he has like a 7'3 wingspan on like a 6'7 frame. And if he can shoot lights out in workouts, I think that can help him out. Um, Matt Morrell, a guy that talked about in Part 1, he shot like 38% from 3 last season down to 29 this year. If he can shoot the ball well, I think that would help out. Bryce Sensonball is the guy that I think is going to really kick butt in workouts. I have mentioned it prior that, you know, if I'm an agent I, and Bryce Sensenball is on my client's workout schedule, and I know you're not supposed to duck competition and run from guys, but Bryce Sensonball is a guy that he's going to make other players look bad in workouts. If they're playing one on one, two on two, three on three, he's strong enough to bully guys. He can create his own shot, and and he can shoot. So even if you get to like the individual shooting drills, he may win the shooting drills. Then if you get to two on two, one on one, no sync defense, two dribbles, he has everything in his game to stand out in in the. Um, you know, pre, pre, in the pre-draft workout series. So he's someone that comes to mind. I'm trying to think. I mean, if the Thompson twins, I mean, I think they're already solidified as going high, but if they can shoot the ball, well, I think that would help their stock. So there's quite a few guys that I think could really benefit from from strong workouts. Um, but those are guys that come to mind. All right. Since the 2024 Draft class is considered weak. Who are the freshmen that would benefit the most by returning to school? This is another question where I can say there's a long list of guys that I think could benefit by returning to school. Dylan Mitchell. First name that that just pops out of my head is someone that I think should return to school. On one hand, his draft stock, despite the lack of great production, is still... According to most people, is still in the range of being a second-round pick. And if he returns to school, I mean, he takes the risk of it falling with, you know, a lot of the guys from Texas. I think Texas will be moving on, so he could have an expanded role. So his stock could fall, but I think another year helps him out. I mean, he's not one of the younger guys in this class, but he is a good athlete. He has a lot of physical tools, but an expanded role could definitely help him out. And I think that he could possibly regain some of the draft stock that he had coming into the season. Some people thought he was a lottery pick. I had him in that range early, but then I soured on him really fast because I've just just not sold on on what he brings to the table on the offensive end. I mean he is a six seven two hundred pound four and a very reluctant shooter so um. I think it would benefit him to come back to school. Julian Phillips is another name. It's not a lock to go in the first round. Going back to school could help him out with an expanded role. And it's just a situation where I think it, it is – this NIL really can help guys out. Like, you're not forced to leave school earlier than you you are ready because – you can make money. If you need to provide for your family, then, you know, if you get a half a million dollar NIL deal, that's more than enough to, to help provide for your family for a year. So I think there's quite a few guys. Let's see. Dylan, uh, Dylan Mitchell, Julian Phillips. Um, let's see who else. Jordan Walsh. And I had mentioned that he could help himself in workouts. I think coming back, coming back to school would be very beneficial for him. Uh, let's see, Amari Bailey, I'm not an Amari Bailey guy at all, I'm not high on him, I don't have him in my top 60, but coming back to school, showing that he can play a little bit more off the ball, and just kind of change the perception about him a little bit, I think that could be very beneficial for him. Then you got guys like Derek Lively, who I think is still gonna end up being a top 30 40 guy but coming back to school would be beneficial for him as far as like on the development side or could be um ware i think he should return to school and be in a situation where he can play 30 minutes per game i doubt if that happens but those are some guys that that come to mind and there's quite a few other guys that that i think would be it would be very very beneficial for them to come back to school because i'm not really high on this 2024 NBA draft class as of right now and I've said it time and time again I think Gigi Jackson would have been the first pick if he didn't reclassify so 2024 I mean a lot of the freshmen if they return as sophomores I think they are better than the incoming freshman class and I think they they would be lottery pickers if they came back all right when we return I'll finish out this episode but if you are looking for a delicious treat and you do not want all of the fat and calories, then you have to try a built bar. Because if you are like me, you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise taste, then built is perfect for you. Because with built bars, healthy is actually tasty. And if you're wondering what makes built bars so good, well, they're covered with 100% chocolate, 100% real chocolate, I forgot to add. And they come in good flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. Not sure how they do it, how they find a way to make the candy bars good while making them healthy. But if you don't believe me, let's listen to these numbers. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein, and again, 100% real chocolate. So, for years, Built Bars could only be obtained from Built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right, if you go to your nearest Walmart today and you go in the pharmacy section, you can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's, you can get a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie, batter, and churro, or you can just go to built.com. All right, this is actually question number 17 overall. Right, If the Rockets somehow strike out on Wimbayama and Scoot and get the third pick, who would you take at number three, Brandon Miller or Amon Thompson? I am a huge, huge Brandon Miller guy. I've mentioned that <laughs> so many times over the past few months. I'm a huge Brandon Miller guy. But I think if you're Houston and you get the third pick, especially when you consider that Kevin Porter Jr.'s contract, which I did not know this until, I guess, a week ago, that his contract is not fully guaranteed. Like, he signed like a, and I I could be wrong here, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I I admit it, but I believe he signed a four-year, $82 million deal with only $15 million guaranteed. Now, that tells me a lot from multiple perspectives. Number one, the Rockets are like, we love your talent. We're willing to pay you, but on a year-by-year basis. Now, there are some fans that believe all contracts should be like that. I'm sure the Brooklyn Nets would love that for for Ben Simmons and for for other guys. I mean, you look at, like, you know, the, the guys that have these huge contracts, you know, like, for example, Westbrook had a huge contract, I'm sure, Teams would have loved to be able to have the luxury to get out of that deal early. Same with John Wall's contract. So anyway, that's very real. That's like an NFL-type contract. That is alarming. Two, from the agency perspective, why would you agree to that deal? Unless you were confident that Kevin Porter Jr. was going to be able to be on his best behavior for year two, three, and four. Okay. That's one thing. Or did you feel like you weren't going to be able to get a better deal in the open market? I don't know. It's so many questions, but that is, that is alarming. So anyway, I said all that to say this, if you're Houston and you end up with the third pick, you can cut ties with Kevin Porter Jr. despite that he's very productive and you could just give Amon Thompson the keys and make him your point guard. Now you'd have an extremely athletic backcourt with Jalen Green and Amon Thompson. Um probably I mean I think Amon's gonna have like a huge a huge, huge adjustment to to the NBA. Um the ball probably would move a little bit better <laughs> with with uh with Amin as your point guard. I think that's probably the I'm leaning. My gut feeling is telling me I'm in Thompson would be a good fit in Houston if they get the third pick, but I'm a Brandon Miller guy. I think Brandon Miller is going to be a star. I think that if they were to draft Brandon Miller at number three, that means they have an idea that James Harden is coming. I mean, there's a bunch of rumors That Harden back to Houston is legit. I personally, this is just my personal, personal opinion. I think it's leverage for Philly to give him the huge deal. Houston has the cap space. He has ties to the city. Still lives there. He's loved in Houston. And I just think it's like a a play of leverage to make sure that Philly knows like, hey, I gave you guys a discount last year. You got to max me out. That's just my personal opinion. I don't know how true it is. But... If Harden is to come back, and you don't need a another primary ball handler, then to me it makes perfect sense to go with Brandon Miller. But I think if you have Brandon Miller, Jabari Smith, Alperen Sengun, Jalen Green, and you still have Kevin Porter Jr., what is really going to change? Unless you believe that a coaching change is is going to be what uh, helps Houston out, but that's just that's just my opinion. All right, two more questions. The last two questions, and (laughs) these are two good ones. And the second to last question of part two of Mailbag Monday, which you might be listening to on a Tuesday is, is it possible for France to get four guys drafted in the first round? And you know what, I had to sit and think about it. And it is actually possible. I haven't thought about it until I got this question. We know is going number one. You got Ryan Rupert, who is, I, I have him mid-first round. Then you have City Sissoko, who's playing for the G League Ignite, who's from France. There's the possibility that he could be a first-round pick. And the wild card of it all is Bilal Koulibi. Bilal is <laughs> someone that has tremendously benefited from playing with Victor Wemmeyama. Prior to the season, he was out of their rotation. Played a little bit of spot minutes. I, I watched. I watched the Metropolitans play four games live: two in France, two in Las Vegas. Another Las Vegas game was more so of of an exhibition. He played little spot minutes here and there, and he was raw. I remember the first time I saw him play was last year. I want to say it was January. Last, you know, it may not even been January. It may, it may have been January last year and I was watching him and basically France's under, under 21 division. And he didn't do a whole lot, but you were just intrigued with the length, how he was moving the athleticism. And I remember watching the game with Mike Schmitz from draft express who's now with the Portland trailblazers. And we were looking at each other like, who, who is this? So I remember, you know, writing notes, he showed some flashes during the summer and then he looked a little bit overwhelmed at the beginning of the season, but he's been able to like grow and get better progressively. And I have heard some people in, in his camp say that they think he is a better long-term prospect than Ryan Ruper, but he was more so of a guy that they thought was going to be a 2024 guy But now he's created enough buzz to where he could end up being 2023. I'm starting to see him on different draft boards now. I don't know for sure if he's even going to come out in 2023. But the buzz is rising. I mean, the the buzz is is growing. So with all that being said, there is a possibility that France could get four guys drafted. And what's crazy about it is three of the four guys, Wimbayama, Rupert, and Koulibly, have the same agent. That would be... uh, a tremendous draft class for for Boone and Jai. All right, last question is... <laughs> all right, this one is... It's not even NBA draft... For, ah, a little bit NBA draft related. Why did Minnesota... And this is a question I've heard a lot of people ask. Why did Minnesota give up all those picks to get older as a team? They had Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley. Then they had the rights to Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler can do what Rudy Gobert does. And Mike Conley is not better than D'Angelo Russell. What is going on in Minnesota? And that's a question I, you know, I you saw it when the trade first happened. I think Gobert to Utah for five first-round picks. And then you saw a lot of people that were wondering how are Gobert and Cat going to fit. That was my initial reaction. And then as time went on, I started to, like, think, like, okay, what is Tim Conley, the, the new general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves? I was like, he has to have a plan. In a vision. So, in my mind, the vision was if Carl Anthony Towns is going to get picked on in pick and rolls, then if you put a shot blocker behind him, guys aren't going to be able to get to the rim. And maybe it forces the offensive player to settle for contested mid-range shots over Carl Anthony Towns because Gobert is going to be there to clean up whenever... Towns gets beat off the drill that's just the only thing I could think of now D'Angelo Russell was a free agent and you figure Gobert's getting paid a boatload of money Cat is on a max deal Anthony Edwards is definitely getting a max deal and I think D'Angelo is making like 31 million this year there's no way you can pay all of those guys and let you know without feeling like you are a championship level team so trading Russell for Conley was basically to make sure they have a point guard for next year. And I think Conley is going to do a better job of getting Gobert touches as the role man. But in my opinion, you know, this is you know my podcast, so I'm going to give a lot of my opinions. I think Gobert got unfairly criticized for his defense in the playoffs. And, And I just feel like Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley weren't able to keep guys in front of them and Gobert was forced to help out protect the rim then run to the corner and and defend corner threes and you know you may hear people say well he doesn't have enough offense to be able to offset it when teams go small so I do think Conley was someone that will that is going to be able to I guess maximize Rudy as a role man and a lab threat with Cat being able to space the floor not saying that they're going to go You know, Gobert as the main option, then everybody else plays around Gobert's pick and roll. That's just what I'm thinking. I mean, it's this year might be a lost cause because I mean we're down to probably like 25 games left in the season. I have I was at a Timberwolves-Mavs game. I didn't really see Go um, Cat warming up, so I, I think I saw somewhere they said maybe within the last 15 games of the season. So, I mean, you got a very, very small window for those guys to be able to learn how to coexist together. So, this year might be a lost year. I mean, <laughs> I think they're, like, ninth right now. So, it's, uh, on one hand, you can look at it glass half empty, glass half full. They're in ninth place in a player tournament, and arguably, well, I mean, I think a lot of people would consider Anthony Edwards their best player now. But they've been able to hang in there with Carl Anthony Towns only playing, like, 20-something games while there are other teams that are in the same range, give or take a few games, that have had their star players miss short amount of time. And Zion has, I'm guessing Zion has played more than Cat. Booker has played more than Cat. So Minnesota could feel like we're doing good despite missing a guy that can give you 25 and 12 every night. But then on the other hand, you can say this is a lost season. They're not going to be able to gel. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is not going to be in great shape when the playoffs start so yeah I mean it was such a risky gamble by Tim Connolly and in year one just based off what I'm seeing now I mean it's gonna continue to raise a lot of questions so that's my answer yes they did get older yes they gave up their draft capital but maybe if they feel like they're gonna trade cat they can get some of it back But then again, you know, that's going to draw a lot of criticism because why would you trade Carl Anthony Towns unless he says he doesn't want to be there for Rudy Gobert just to get the same picks back? So anyway, that's just my opinion. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I try to think about, like, what was Conley thinking, and that is my theory, is that you're going to try to force teams to shoot a lot of contested mid-range shots with their length and with with, uh, Gobert as a rim protector. So... Hopefully that answers your question. Well, that wraps up this episode part two of Mailbag Monday that you might be listening to on a Tuesday. Thank you for making this your, uh, it doesn't have to be your first listen of the day. But thank you for just listening today. But now you should check out Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league. With local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on. Locked on NBA. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and I am out. Stay tuned. Tomorrow we have Prospect Pitch with Leaf Tuline, and he is going to pitch me. I'm going to be the general manager of the Utah Jazz. And he's going to pitch me on a prospect. So stay tuned for that. That should be fun. And I'm out we